Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. Rachel Israel is an artist on more than one level. She studied painting at the Rhode Island School of Design, where she received a BFA with honors and then went on to get a Master in Fine Arts from Columbia University. Rachel still has a connection to RISD as an adjunct professor of film. And speaking of film, Rachel is a filmmaker. Her credits include associate producer on Violet and Daisy in 2011, starring James Gandolfini and Shirsa Ronan. She's directed numerous short films that have been shown at various international film festivals. One of the shorts, Keep the Change, premiered at the Columbia Film Festival in 2013, winning the top award of Focus Feature Best Film. The feature-length version of Keep the Change won Best U.S. Narrative Feature at Tribeca in 2017. And we're going to talk about the storyline with a not-so-typical cast. Lots to talk about, so let's meet and get to know Rachel. Welcome and thanks so much for joining me today. So happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So I read, Rachel, that you were homeschooled, in your words, by a somewhat socially unorthodox family. I'm intrigued, so explain that to me. Yeah, um, my mother decided to homeschool me back in a time when she didn't even know that such a thing existed. So she, she just, you know, had me at, had me at home and felt like that was a very natural thing to do and wanted to continue the education that we were already having. And then she found out that actually it was it was a thing you could homeschool. In terms of my family being socially unorthodox, I think we're just a bunch of uh, kind of very much individuals who like to explore things in our own ways. So um, I was raised in that family, and um, I uh, value it very much. It's, I think, given me a different perspective on some situations. What do you mean by a different perspective? Yeah, well, I think that I, I guess I think of myself as a an atypical person. I don't think that I necessarily easily fit into a mold, and so I am very uh, like to be very open to other people and who don't fit into molds. So you're attracted to the different. Yes. Yeah, yeah, very much. How did you feel about being homeschooled and not being around other kids your own age? Oh, I loved homeschooling. Um, I loved it, yeah. And I was, I had socialization with my peers, you know, their neighborhood kids I would play with. So I really loved the time that it gave me to focus on uh, my passions. So I got to, you know, spend a lot of time growing up making art and um, just kind of having a lot of free time to explore things that interested me. So in terms of art, that was a very natural act for you as you grew up? Was there art in your home? How did that come to be, your connection with painting? Yeah, neither of my parents were artists, but they raised both me and my brother to explore, you know, to kind of grasp wholeheartedly things that we were passionate about. So I always knew that I wanted to be an artist. And when I was growing up, to me, that meant what I thought of ours was being a painter. So I very much put myself into that. And um, I went to, ended up going to Rhode Island School of Design when I was um, older than most people. I was 22. I'd spent the four years that people usually spend going to college at home, you know, very intensely studying painting. So by the time I went there, I had all that experience. And then I never took a painting class. <laughs> I uh, experimented with sculpture, all these different sculptural media and uh, and chose to major in film, which was a very new medium for me. But in some ways, I felt like I had kind of been preparing for that my whole life because I loved I loved watching movies. Um, I guess having a little fewer 
social opportunities, my social outlet was watching films and reading novels. And it all kind of came together for me in filmmaking. Writing a film is can be a very solitary experience. And actually, though, with the process of making this film, Keep the Change, I really enjoyed that it, the writing wasn't solitary. Uh, but I got to work on it in development with the cast because the cast casting came first with this project. And then we developed the script. And that um, made it feel very alive. So you're at RISD, and you decide that you're going to move into filmmaking. Was that the right match for you, that school with filmmaking? Oh, yeah. I, I was very, very happy at RISD. And I was, you know, it's a large school with a lot of different departments, but um, each of the departments kind of feels like a little family. So it was a, a wonderful environment to start making film in. And it being in an art school, I think, was also a great benefit for me because um, I always thought of filmmaking as, as an art form and it was never, it didn't too quickly become kind of an, uh, an industry. I was there, you know, with next to glass blowers and <laughs> uh, fashion designers and pottery makers. And it very much felt like a kind of handmade craft to me at RISD. So when you moved into filmmaking, you had story ideas that were growing and flourishing in your mind? When I first started making films at RISD, I, most of my little films I made you know, ended with the punchline. I, writing humor has always come naturally to me. And a lot of the little films I made had kind of uh, lonesome protagonists and then some kind of punchline at the end, clever punchline. And it was with I think my final film there, at RISD, I first decided I wanted to start, instead of having this, this lonesome characters, I wanted to make films about relationships. And those are the films I really um, enjoyed watching and touched me, and I wanted to focus on that. So it was kind of my end of my time at RISD when I figured that out. And then when I came to Columbia um, a year later for graduate school, where I really dug into that um, with the intensive screenwriting that Columbia offers and uh, learned how to try to make relationship films powerfully. I said in the introduction that you were an associate producer on Violet and Daisy in 2011, but that's obviously very different than giving birth to yeah. your own movie. What was that experience like? Working on uh, Violet and Daisy was a wonderful experience. I had known the director, uh, Jeffrey Fletcher, for a few years, and you know, he had written um, just kind of the prior, or won an Academy Award for Precious, and um, he had been the opportunity to direct this script, um, Violent Daisy, that I thought was a terrific script. So I uh, got to be involved very early on in the production of that and kind of uh, get to see all aspects of, of that feature film being made. And um, it was wonderful. It was really great first professional experience for me. But during that time, Keep the Change was in your brain? I didn't yet. It was shortly after that, the uh, working on Violent Daisy ended that I started thinking about Keep the Change. Yeah, so it was, it was after that. Well, I also read that many years before that, you met Brandon Polanski, who was one of the stars of your film, at a live modeling drawing class. And it turns out he's one of the two leads in Keep the Change. So first, let's talk about the impact of that art class and your meeting this young man, Tell us about that experience and why that meant so much to you. Yeah, I met Brandon the summer before I went away to Rhode Island School of Design. I was in Bogartown, my hometown, 
And I just wanted to take a live uh, drawing class to kind of strengthen my uh, live model skills. Um, so I was in the class, and during the class break, this nice-looking young man, dark sunglasses, walked the circumference of the room, hitting on every woman at every <laughs> easel in the room. Uh-huh. And as he got closer, I, I could hear some of the people's reactions to him were really, really harsh and kind of surprisingly harsh. I could tell that there was something socially different about him. I didn't know what it was, but he seemed like a harmless guy who was just trying to have a connection. Uh, so when it came my term, I I said no for dating, but um, when he asked if he could still have my number, I said, you know, what the hell, sure, you can have my number, I'll chat with you. Um, and so then I went off to college, and Brandon would call me at least once a week, and um, we would we would chat, and uh, slowly over time, I got to know him. Um, and it took actually a while before he talked to me about his disability. And uh, when he told me that he had autism, it was a surprise to me because I didn't know very much about autism, but everything I knew, I guess, I probably knew from film, from having watched films, and it didn't seem anything like him. The characters I thought who have autism don't aren't seeking social connection. They're not interested in dating. Anyway, that was completely not Brandon. I, I had so I learned a lot through knowing Brandon. And then it was many, many years after that when really the inspiration for making this film came about through Brandon, um, through some of his personal dating experiences. And so were you at that point when the seed was growing in you, thinking you were going to make a documentary about him? No, it didn't occur to me to work with him on a film until um, maybe like seven or eight years ago. Uh, And I've known him for like 16 years. So seven or eight years ago, he met a first serious relationship at uh, the Jewish Community Center's uh, program here for people with special needs. In Manhattan. And that relationship had such a big impact on him and also created so much drama in his life. I really got inspired by it as a love story. And I then I was at the time at Columbia getting my MFA in directing. And, you know, I thought this is a very uncommon thing to see in film, to see a person with autism, you know, driving their own story at the center of their own story, especially in pursuit of love. I thought it would be very powerful. So I wrote a feature script based on Brandon's personal experience. Um, And then, you know, at the time at Columbia, I had the opportunity to make a short film. And I thought I wanted to experiment with Brandon acting in the film. So we made the short as my thesis. And I didn't cast Brandon's actual girlfriend, but we cast someone else from that community, Samantha Ellisoffen. And once we cast her, the film really became less about Brandon's biography and more about how would these two people fall in love. And that's then when we went on to make the feature, what it what it really became about. But Brandon's not an actor, right? Well, he is now. He's an actor now. Because of you? He's uh, Well, because of the projects that we've worked on. Yeah, he is now. He's done plenty of acting now. But he wasn't at the time an actor with any experience. Um, and so it's something that we worked on for a while, even before making the short film. We worked for a year on acting exercises just before making the short. When you look back on this, Rachel, I mean, at least for me, it's a kind of, wow, here you get this young man, you tell his story, but this is not a documentary. It's him acting as him, and maybe somebody says, yes, so what's your point? But I think that that's pretty potent. Yeah, and I think, I think though, it is an important distinction that he is not acting as himself. He's acting as a version of himself, and that's something that we worked on together. 
making a character who you know, had some of his qualities so that he could invest in that emotionally and feel that connection, but also that was removed from being himself. So he could, the way actors enjoy doing, play around in this world in a, in a world of fiction without completely exposing all of his personal life. Um, that was an important distinction for him and for the other actors that they're acting characters inspired by them, but not them. Is his love interest in the film also a woman with autism? Yes. Samantha Ellisoffen is also on the spectrum and very different personality than Brandon. And all of our, I think I'm you know, very proud that our film shows a cast that are all on the spectrum wide, widely different than each other. There's no two alike. You know, it's funny, isn't it, Rachel, that not only did you make a feature film, but you also are responsible for a public service. Oh, I don't know. I feel, I don't, that, that's very kind of you to say. I don't feel that way. I feel like I was given a great gift by our cast who trusted working with me. And, you know, they made themselves pretty vulnerable by being a part of this project. Um, I just feel tremendously privileged to have been given access to their emotional lives in making this film. Yeah, but that's huge. And it's also, it's about trust. And this was also, was it not your first foray into a feature-length film. This was my first feature, yes. I mean, that's a big deal. What was it like for you to get funding? Actually, it didn't take that long when you think about how long it can take, but that was the most difficult part of the whole thing for me um, because it was in some ways out of my control and we had the cast attached already for a long time. It took us, after having made the short, just two years to make the feature, so that's really not very long. And it came together kind of piecemeal. So we raised, uh, you know, kind of beginning chunk from friends and family of the film. And then it took a while to get anything more. We got a, a, a grant from Rooftop Film Festival that was helpful. And we then did a crowdfunder. And that crowdfunder was uh, was actually like kind of really powerful, I think, in being able to show that there was a big audience for the film. Um and after that, we had then a wonderful investor come in and complete the funding that we really needed to make it. So all of that and then additional grants from the Sundance Institute and from the Princess Grace Foundation um, helped us complete the film. And not for nothing, uh, it's not chum change that you won Best U.S. Narrative Feature at Tribeca. You must have been over the moon. Oh, yeah, that was a thrilling experience. That was really amazing. What has this experience been like for you, the fact that not only did you make a, a feature length, but about a topic that's just not discussed. You know, getting to make this film has been a dream of mine for many years by now. And uh, it really has been a dream come true. I feel so, so lucky to have been able to make it. And it's been the, a very high, a high watermark of uh, creative engagement for me. I think everything that I make after this, I'll be comparing to how how engaged I was in this project. And that's due to uh, the cast. They're such incredible individuals and gave so much to this film that um, I couldn't help but, but be completely glued to it. I also want to go back to talk about not only did you direct a film, but you wrote the film. And did that just kind of flow out of you? Are these all natural acts for you, Rachel? I've learned that I write best. I, you know, I get the most joy out of writing when I'm writing from at least inspired by people that I that I know. Uh, so for me, I need the basis to be in character and, you know, better characters that I somehow haven't have firsthand knowledge of. With this project, 
um, you know, the casting came first and we then developed the script around the cast. Uh, so I'd work with each cast member differently, but um, kind of on a regular basis, be having meetings and in some cases rehearsing ideas and then taking that material and folding it back into the script. It was a very fun, rich process for writing. I don't like writing in total isolation removed from reality. That's, it doesn't work for me. And this way, by the involvement of the cast, yeah, it was very collaborative. And by the involvement of the cast, it kind of felt like I was working with clay. The material was there and it wasn't just being put together in a sterile environment. It was very much alive. And because of you, the two lead characters have a career. I hope so. I do hope so. I hope that there are um, more roles created for uh, people on Spectrum with an eye toward authentic casting, because uh, I think that they both are terrific actors and, and should continue working. Uh, I know both of them want to very much. Was there conflict in this film in terms of when you were when you were writing the script? Did you want to have conflict about the difficulty of two adults on the spectrum trying to lead, and I use the term in quotes, normal lives? I guess there's, I mean, there's conflict in the story, largely with David's character and what he considers normal to be. And no one wants to feel alone. So in that way, everyone wants to feel normal, that they're um, connected to others around them, that their experiences are shared by others around them. And I think that in the film, David's understanding of what normal is changes. In the end, he is normal. And what I think, you know, the emotional response we've gotten to film from audiences confirms that, that he is normal. Um, what he goes through, we, we all go through in some ways. And uh, I think that's his journey to discover that he is normal. Your film could also be seen as a public service. Oh, thank you very much. That's that's very flattering. That may not have been a goal of yours, but you have to think that that had to have been an effect of the film. Because I came from a place, you know, when I first met Brandon, of knowing nothing about autism, and he did open my eyes to to it. Um, I did think there was, there was a lot of would be a lot of power in examining this for many lesser known world. And then the more I got to know the the community, the one that, you know, at the JCC, our, our chosen community and the care and the individuals there, the more powerful I thought this idea was because some of the people I fell in love with there who act in the film are just such amazing people. I thought they kind of had to be known. Why did you write a feature? Let me rephrase that and ask if you entertained the idea of making a documentary about Brandon. Um, I never entertained the, the idea of making a documentary about Brandon. I mean, it's partly just where I'm coming from that uh, fiction filmmaking is my medium. Mm -hmm. And that's how I, I think I think in terms of those stories. I think that fiction filmmaking can be gripping in a very special way that, you know, it has the means of um, seeding you very firmly with a main character. And we get to see things through his eyes that is it's not as easy to do that in a documentary or as I wouldn't know how to do that in a documentary the way I would know in a fiction film. And I wanted, I wanted the audience to have that experience with this character. I want to move along and talk about the fact that there are not a lot of Rachel Israels who make feature 
length films. I have interviewed a lot of female filmmakers, but the majority have all been documentary filmmakers. Maybe that's why I'm kind of pushing the conversation Uh in that direction. You have to feel that you are breathing rarefied air. So far, I I do feel that, but I've also so far been very lucky in my professional experience to have worked with really good people. And um, so I haven't yet had the experience of being feeling marginalized as a woman. I'm just getting started in my career, so I might I might have different stories to tell so many years from now. Partly it's be- I think because I have been in school for so long and went to really part of really good departments. You know, the Keep the Change got started while I was at Columbia, and actually a lot of people I made it with were also from from Columbia. So I kind of had this was still making it partly within this safe bubble. Feeling safe must be really huge. Yeah, I really got very lucky with being able to make this film under under those circumstances. So what's in your future? I've been developing uh, a TV series based in the world of Keep the Change with the same cast. And that's something that's kind of really hot on my brain right now. I think the world is so rich and the characters are so diverse that uh, I feel like there's still a lot of material there and people should get to know some of these these other characters that are kind of only you only have time for as background characters in a feature length film but i think a tv series could be able to kind of winnow in and out of characters lives in a really exciting way um so i've been working on that and um and then i also have a couple other feature scripts that i'm developing and i'm also reading material that i haven't written writing is really hard heavy lifting so Uh, So it's fun to read things that I haven't written, definitely. But I think that's very intriguing about a TV series that would follow the lives of the characters of your film. And I think that that also would be a wonderful way to expose all of us to people who may be different than we are, but just shouldn't, again, be dismissed. Yes. Yeah, I think so. I think it would be a, a really exciting series. So do you have a company or are you just kind of Rachel working on her own? I don't have a company yet. Uh, I should probably get around to formalizing that. One of our amazing producers, Kurt Enger, uh, we are working on the series together. Um, he also happens, he was such a good producer on the film, I married him. So he's also my husband. But do you really see that this TV series, you really believe it can get off the ground? Oh, I think I think it's a great opportunity. We, we um, don't have a... Studio uh, network yet, um, but I think it's a great opportunity for someone to. The timing is just so right for this material, both in the subject of autism, which um, I think there's more interest in showing that world now, but also in authentic casting, um, where that conversation has kind of gotten started with shows like Transparent. But right. I think that it, that conversation really needs to be extended to the world of disability. Yeah, it's for too long that those stories have not been told. Yes, it's about time. Speaking of time, we've run out of time, but I can't not ask you about your painting. Are you creating any works of art? Oh, no, I don't paint anymore. Beyond storyboarding, I don't I don't paint anymore. I'm very creatively filled by filmmaking. Mm-hmm. I've got now two, two young children, both born within the past two years. So... All, all children love love making art, and so I expect that I will get to taste it again with them. Right. But I guess it must also bring you great joy to be back at your alma mater at Rhode Island School of Design teaching up-and-coming other filmmakers 
what you have learned. I think that's so great to give back. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's been a really great privilege teaching at RISD. I live in New York, so I've kind of been off for a couple of semesters with uh, maternity leave. But I hope that I will get to return and and teach there again because the students are amazing. That's wonderful. So, Rachel Israel, lots of continued success. And I want to thank you so much for sharing your life and your work with us. Thank you so much. It's really been a pleasure to be on. Thank you for having me. Oh, totally my pleasure. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. But